you're listening to another episode of a lady and some dudes podcast today we are truly blessed and excited to have the current coach of la salle university but also the assistant coach a part of the 2016 and the 2018 Villanova NCAA Championship, who broke many North Carolina hearts. <laughs> coach Howard, how you doing, Coach? How's you, how are you feeling? And first question I'm going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, Phil. Thank, thanks for having me. A um, uh, little, little, little bit about myself. I am um, from Philadelphia, so... To, to have the opportunity to be a head coach in my hometown is a blessing. Um, uh, you know, I played the, played the game of basketball my entire life. Um, and, you know, it was a it was a blessing for me because growing up in Philadelphia, there are a lot of um, you know ways you can you can you can go as a, as a as a young man growing up in the inner city. So basketball was always my passion, and you know, as a way to keep me out of trouble, uh, provide. Um, access to to private school education and so forth, which which was a great benefit to me moving forward. Um, you know, uh, as a student athlete at Drexel University, I got diagnosed with a heart condition going into my junior year, and that's when I made the transition to coaching. And uh, one of the things that you know um, you realize as you get older is like God is ordering your steps all the time. Right. So, you know, during that time in my life, uh, you know, I was devastated. I was, you know, I was I was hurt. It was probably the biggest um, loss that that I could have experienced at that point in time. Um, you know, just think about the countless days and nights and, um, you know, uh, that you spend investing into your career as a player. And then, you know, just having it taken away from you. but you know, little did I know that, you know, the Lord had a bigger plan for me and that was to uh, direct me in the path of coaching. And, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate to, to get a, 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 a head start in my, my young coaching career, at 23 years old as an assistant at LaSalle. So uh, I'm right back to where my, my coaching career started as an assistant. Now as the head coach going into my third year and I'm really excited about the direction our program is going in. Yeah, Ash. Um, so, you know, once again, man, I really appreciate you being on, man. Um, I'm, I'm, come, I'm in a unique position because I got a chance to watch you when I was really young. I remember back from uh, you playing at the Sunny Hill camp in Ambler, PA, I think it was. Yep. Uh, so I remember you from being from there, transitioning to high school, to Drexel, and then you just talked about it. Um, I, I guess I want to want you to kind of talk about that perseverance, you know, because that was a roadblock in your career, and many people don't really know that. So, what, what's like, what do you credit that perseverance to? I know you said God, but was it I, your dad? I know he's pretty instrumental in your life and other things. So, so you know, when you, as an athlete playing ball, you know, we all want to go to the league, we all want to play professional, but you were able. To like to me it was like seamlessly uh, to go from, you know, being having your aspirations to play to being able to coach. So can you speak to that tenacity and perseverance? 
honestly, Kel, I'll be. It, it was, it was Sean and you, and Kyle, and Rob. So, you know, during that transition when I first stopped playing, it just so happened that you guys were like ninth, tenth graders, and and then Sean started to come to to train with me, right? Um, and it was that year. So it it really helped me just deflect the attention off of myself and and um the uh you know the pain that I was going through and uh and and the depression that I was going through individually and, and I just directed my focus into like helping you guys and then I just fell in love with coaching and it it didn't hurt that you guys were all really good players. So I got an opportunity to 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 see the benefit of the mentoring that I was doing, right? Um, as, you know, I had a chance to watch you guys develop. And what I once, you know, you know, found solace in like my own aspirations as a player, I was able to look at you guys and and just be proud of of you guys and and just try to give everything that I had and that I wanted and and then you guys began to 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 fuel my fire um and 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 so and that's why I say it was God because I can't pinpoint like why like Sean just came into my life during that time why Kamal Yard brought Kyle and Shane to the gym and said yo Ash why don't you work with these guys because I didn't seek that out like it just came to me, right? So like that's God working, you know? And and um now that I'm older, I can identify it because there are a lot of things that happen to us in life that we can't identify why it happened, right? And that's just that's just, you know, um God working through us uh to to help get his message across, right? So um, you know, that's that's the that's the truth and and um and and just the the way things happen so quickly, uh, you know, you know, I I I had a two year period where, you know, I was finishing school, you know, I was I was um, you know, I started, you know, coaching and training and, and doing those things and then I graduated and I really had no direction. I didn't know whether I was gonna be a high school coach and teach or whether I was gonna get into um sports journalism, which what I which is what I went to school for. Um but uh, you know, then the opportunity to 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 get into coaching right away came, and and I, uh, you know, I just I just took it and and, and ran with it, man. So, uh, you know, it was it was uh it was really it was really that, man. It was just you, you know, you guys at the time, um, all of you guys that that became college players, and you know, some of those guys went on to play in the NBA and, and do great things professionally. Uh, with the game of basketball, uh, you guys motivated me and 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 gave me the 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 inspiration to just keep going. That's wonderful, and and it's good to kind of hear um, the thought process and the background perspectives. I think it it really shapes um, people's view um, of the journey, essentially. And so my question for you is: uh, we're all we're all aware that you played at Dressel. Um, for college. How did your experience as a college player 
shape your ability to be impactful as a coach? That's a, that's a great question. Um, so my experience as a player was not great. And, and, and primarily because, you know, the coaches that I played for um, my first two years at Drexel, they were, they were good guys, little inexperienced. And I felt like there was a connection that was lacking amongst the coaching staff and the players. I felt like it was very much just a, almost like a business relationship where there, you know, I can't remember having any dialogue with my coaches outside of the gym where, you know, you know, they actually showed that they cared about, you know, what we were going through as, as, as young people. Uh, I can't recall one conversation that I had uh, with my coaches um, as it pertained to, you know, you know, you know, not partying and hanging out and, you know, staying away from, you know, the frat houses or, um, you know, making sure that I was, you know, showing up to, to class on time or just anything that, that would have suggested that they actually cared about anything more than my sister turnover ratio or my, my, my shooting percentage, you know? Um, and, and coincidentally, there was a lot of turmoil on our team uh, because it was like a hierarchy of the players and, and we didn't have great leadership um, from the older guys. Um, so, so that's what really shaped my experience. Like sometimes you learn more about what not to do um, than you do by being around people who show you like a really successful way. Right. So um, for, you know, my, my experience as a coach early on, it was, it was like, you know what, like, like I know I can do this because I, I saw what the coaches that I, I played for were not doing. And I knew that if there was actually a personal relationship, like our team would play harder for you, <laughs> we would be more connected and we would respond to you better as coaches. But, you know, when, when you're uh, a coach and, you know, your players don't feel like you actually care about them as, as people, then, you know, it's harder to coach them, especially – you know, in college, when you have uh, a bunch of young people who are going through that transition in life where they're, you know, trying to, you know, figure out their identity, right? So as much as it is about developing players, it's about developing people. And, um, and I didn't necessarily get that vibe from, from the coaches that I played for. So I always knew that once I got into coaching that I, I wanted to have that, that connection with my players. Well, I mean... Um, just from listening to you, this is my first time interacting with you. I, I want you to coach me, man, you know, <laughs> because I see that obviously you're very relational. Like it's not just about X's and O's because you know that, you know, even if you make, to make it out to be a division one athlete, most of the players are not going to go on to play at a uh, professional level. But you're building men, particularly in your sport, because you're coaching men. You're building men. And so I know you hit it a little bit, uh, but borrowing from that encounter, 
How has that shaped your approach to coaching and recruiting? So what it what it's done for me from a recruiting standpoint is it's given me like a broader lens of players that I recruit because I understand the importance of like having diversity because a lot of times we we learn more from our peers than we do from a coach who's just like you know I'm I'm, I'm like the dad right that that is this um you know that's on them all the time and that's giving them rules and regulations and 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 telling them what they should be doing and you know at 18 19 years old you know we don't want to hear that all the time right so I think it's important that you surround players with other players that come from different backgrounds that come from different perspectives so like I have a kid on my team that has a 4.0 who is a suburban kid that went to uh the Haverford school which is a in a you know it's a it's an elite private institution um right outside of Philly and and then I have a kid that's from a uh, public school southeast DC um who um who he is working his tail off every single day for that 2.4 right and 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 those guys uh are great friends and the importance of having that type of diversity in my opinion is is like you look at our world today if more people actually had a chance to venture out and get to know people from different backgrounds and races and uh, socioeconomic backgrounds and religions and you realize how much you have in common with people then the world would be a better place so we got to use our our team especially within our community to to be a a representation of like you know what what i think the world is all about right um and i and i think the world uh is is about you know creating those type of situations so that people can have a better understanding for each other um so from a recruiting standpoint i i, I want to have a diverse a diverse team right? i want to have white kids i want to have black kids i want to have kids that come from wealth i want to have kids that are you know um you know you know from from the housing projects in, in the city i i want to have that type of thing because at the end of the day i can relate to all of them <laughs> and i think that's what what makes me dynamic as a coach to be able to relate to all of them and then in turn get them to be able to relate to each other and i think that's the beauty of sports a lot of times you know um you know the greatest gift that we get from sports is the opportunity to develop relationships with people that we otherwise would not have uh crossed paths with so um and then from a coaching standpoint it's hard because the most challenging part of a coach is now finding my own way with each individual on our team to get them to tick right and i'm learning that so you know my first year I said, man, I'm treating everybody the same. I'm gonna be this way. And, you know, my way or the highway, right? But that doesn't work. I mean, I, and I realized that it, it doesn't, that's not, that's not what's best for everybody. And, and that's my maturation as a coach, right? Where now I'm, I'm understanding that, okay, I, I got I have to spend time with each individual on our team 
explaining to them, this is my plan for you. This is why I'm coaching you this way. And it's in your best interest, right? Um, in my first year, I had so many other things that were pulling at me in terms of laying the foundation for my program, hiring a coaching staff, getting to know the team, recruiting, and it's all coming at me so fast that I didn't really get a chance to take a back seat and take a bird's eye view of where I was as a coach, where we were as a program, to really dive into the individual relationship, which as you can tell is important to me. So now that I have the time, um, it's something that I'm focusing on and I believe it'll make our team better. Um, um, especially now that we have guys in our program now that have been with me for three years, they know the expectations. So now you talk about the leadership component that we have now that we have guys within our program that understand what the program is all about. And they can really kind of help me with the relationship piece because I have older guys on our team that can tell me, coach, you may need to talk to this young guy. I don't know if he necessarily gets what you're trying to, what, what, you're, what point you're trying to get across. And, and I think when you have that type of leadership from the players, then um, it, it makes your program that much stronger. I hope I answered your question. I know. Uh, I think it was a great answer, Ash. Um, I don't know if I'm transitioning a little bit, but I want you to, if you can talk to us about uh, your team this year, what's your vision, um, if, even if there is a season. We, we're really not sure if it is or if it will be or not. So talk about the vision and, and how do you how you prepare um, your team, your coaches, staff through this pandemic situation? So, you know, we've done a lot of Zooms and a lot of it is culture building. A lot of it is, you know, film work. Because it's the only thing that we can do. So, you know, this Zoom uh, has a lot of really cool features. It has the share screen feature that had we have the ability to go out and break out rooms so we we've, we've done some some cool activities in terms of mental skills training talking about um confidence talking about performing and excelling under pressure uh talking about the the power of positive self-talk um you know just to name a few things that, that that we've done um over zoom um and and then with our with our coaching staff it's just constant, you know, just talking about, you know, the transition and what we need to do in order to prepare ourselves, whether we have a season that starts in, in November or whether we start in January, um, just being prepared. And I think that the most important thing that we can do here is just understand that we're not going to get back to where we want to be overnight. It's going to take time. So even now, as we transition into the yellow phase here in Philly, and our guys are able to kind of get out and, and do some more um, workouts and things, just like not overdoing it, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's human nature to feel like, all right, man, we're able to get back in the gym. We got to catch up for lost time. And, you know, you know just, just being safe, right? So you know how it is, Kel. Like, we, we got a, a ton of trainers in, in, in Philly and, and our guys work out with guys and and I had to remind our players, like, listen, man, like, like when you go to work out, man, make sure you bring your own basketball. You know, make sure that, you know, you ask whoever the trainer is to wear a mask. Make sure that you're adequately social distancing. 
because it's a trend. It's has it has to be some sort of transition. You can't go from being on quarantine and now like everybody like yo we back right. Mm-hmm. Um, like as you as you see and you know down to University of Houston and in Alabama with the football like these guys have 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 come back and and now you you've had a, a spike a rate of you know the coronavirus that's that's resurfacing right so you know it's just in nobody's best interest to to rush back because if you come back too soon and then one person gets COVID-19 then you got to quarantine your entire team (laughs) you know what I'm saying so it's not it's not like um you know it's not like we have a vaccine or anything like that just yet so you know we it's 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 just proceeding with caution with everything we do um you know we we've done me personally, I've, I've been doing a ton of Zoom calls with, with NBA coaches and other college coaches, um, just working on my own professional development. Um, I, have a, I have a clear picture uh, just from watching a lot of tape from last season of the things that we need to do to get better. And, and a lot of those things are the, you know, the points of emphasis that we watch film on as a team, whether it's spacing on offense, whether it's setting up screens, uh, using screens, like uh, all the details that, that that we all know make makes a difference in the game. Um, so you know, it's really you know just a lot of film work, a lot of reflection. Um, you know, some uh, just you know guidance, and then now you have the the you know the, the George Floyd case and the Breonna Taylor case and um, the Amir Arbery case. Um, that that have sparked, um, you know, the, the protests and and um, you know the riots in some cities and and then getting our our players to understand all right, what's really going on, right? I, I have I have you know I got white guys on my team and um, and and I have white coaches who have all come to me and and asked me for for some guidance in, in terms of how they can be better. So, you know, we, you know, having those discussions as well, I did a Zoom with our team where we had members of law enforcement join us to talk about, um, you know, their, give, give their perspective, right? Because not all law enforcement are bad people. Um, and, and I think it's important for our guys to understand that. I think it's important for our guys to understand if you're going to protest and do certain things, be educated and know what you're protesting about. Don't just run out there just because everybody else is running out there and not have a moral conscience or, or, or be aware of what you're, you're out there, you know, fighting for. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's been like, it's been a lot, it's been enough going on in the world for us to occupy these guys time through zoom and, and, and spark some, some pretty, um, you know, you know, um, moving conversation. And, and I think, you know, all this time that, that we've had away is good because sometimes, you know, when you're around guys all the time, you need that break, but um, to still be able to, to remain connected and, and, um, and engaged, I think is going to make us better. I really love that your coaching approach is not only the fundamentals on the court, which is obviously essential, but a real world 
real life practical perspective about life. I think um, those are the qualities that will ultimately make successful men. Um, and so I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, I just want to backtrack a little. You were the assistant head coach for Villanova for about five years or so. Mm -hmm. um, with two national championships to show for it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know, what was your experience working with Coach Jay Wright um, during that time? So I, I think the, the biggest thing is that Coach Wright is very much of the same mindset as I am. And in terms of, you know, the way we look at the game, um, you know, I think coach is a great, uh, mentor for, for his young people. I think he's done a really good job of building a program at Villanova. And I learned, I learned more about, you know, how to be a manager, um, from, from coach Wright than anything. I think he, he runs the Villanova basketball program almost like a business and, um, you know, he, he hired a lot of talented individuals that, that took a great deal of pride in their roles and their responsibilities. And, and he allowed everybody to, to, to grow in their role and become the best versions of themselves that they could be, right? Um, and I think, you know, when, when you look back at my five years, which was the winningest five-year period in the history of college basketball for any program, um, the thing that stands out to me is just a bunch of talented, hardworking people without an ego that were all committed to, to, you know, just making the program the best that it could be. Right. So, um, you know, coach, coach is awesome. He's a, he's a man of faith. Um, Villanova is a, is a Catholic school. So we have that faith based component as well, which I thought, um, you know, gave us, you know, that, that extra edge, in terms of the connection that we had um, as a as a unit, and um, you know, I'm, I'm just very grateful for that opportunity that I had to work with Coach Wright during that five year period. Um, so a little bit about me: my father's a Temple grad, uh, but I was born and raised in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So growing up, uh, you know, I used to my dad used to love watching Temple, and you know. Um, Lynn Greer and Mark Karcher and Sandy Lopez, uh, Pope, Popeye Sanchez, sorry. Uh, but uh, as I became my own man, I started to become a Villanova fan. And so I followed Villanova for, since high school, since the Alan Ray, Cal Lowry teams. Um, but as a Philadelphia fan, just in general, you know, and you being, I'm, I assume you're one, Saying you're born and raised in Philadelphia, you know yep. sometimes we can be the the most self defeating fans in the world. You know, we assume yep. if it can go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Yeah. So I remember watching that that comp that championship game 2016. I was up. I was by myself in the house, and Paige hit that miracle shot, double pump, double pump. I said, you know what? God is cursing us. God's cursing us. We're going to lose. This, this is what always happens. This is what always happens. We had it and we blew it. They weren't making the shots we needed to do. He hit that crazy shot. Now we're going to lose in overtime. <laughs> when Chris Jenkins hit that shot, 
I've never lost it like I lost it that night. I woke up everybody in the house. I ran all throughout my house. What was going through your mind, one, when the shot went up and when the shot went in? Can I be honest with you? Yeah. One of the best things about Coach Wright is that we, um, we always do late-game situations in every practice. We call it Wildcat Minute. So, you know, we had a 10-point lead that we blew and Paige hit the shot. So we're in the huddle. And we all, and, and, and you know, it's, you know, 4.7 seconds. We got it in line out of bounds. We know what play we're running already because we, we run it every single day, right? So, so um, in the huddle, all I'm saying is, yo, Wildcat Minute, Wildcat Minute, Wildcat Minute, let's go. We got this, Wildcat Minute. We're good because at the end of this, it's a tie game. Nothing to lose, right? You know, we miss. Game goes overtime. Okay, fine. So I'm just saying, Wildcat Minute, man. Wildcat Minute. So guys come out the huddle. I'm like, yo, Wildcat Minute. Let's go. We got this. And then as we're inbounding the ball, the first thing I recognized was like, yo, there's nobody guarding Chris on the inbounds. So I'm saying to myself, like, because we never – we in practice, you know, one of the things is, it's like we would never not have somebody on the ball. So we never get that option. And Chris is our best shooter. So that's even double why, like, why we would never give that shot up in practice. So in my mind, I'm saying to myself, like, like yo, Chris is wide open. I actually thought Arch, I actually thought Ryan Archidiacono would have been able to get all the way to the basket and get a shot, right? Or, you know, the play is really to set a, a middle ball screen, thought he would have came off, got a shot, or hit to the left side because the guy on the left side was wide open also, but not as open as Chris. So I'm watching the whole play. I'm like, yo, Chris is wide open. And as soon as he caught it, I was like, yo, game. And if, if you go back and you watch me on the bench, I'm stepping up on the platform as the ball is in the air because I'm like, yo, like, like Chris is hitting this shot. Because we end practice every day where, like coach will say, like, yo, four seconds on the clock, we'll run that same play. And then, like, we'll hit, like, we'll get all the options. Ryan will go to the basket, make a layup. We'll hit the guy on the left side. You know, like if we shoot and miss, everybody knows, go to the offensive glass, try to get a tip in before the buzzer goes off. So when it went in, I lost my mind just like you did. But I watched the whole play develop. And because we had been in so many situations where we, we rehearsed the play over and over and over again, I knew we were getting a good shot and Chris was our best shooter. And the fact that he was the one that got it, it just gave me all the confidence that we were, we were going, we were winning that. Yeah, the whole Philly was going crazy, man. We got a, the, um, one of the producers on the show. He's from North Carolina, so you know we was we was teasing him earlier about that. Oh, <laughs> um, but Ash, I I want to kind of it's kind of controversial question, maybe to some, <clears throat> but uh, you may be an open book and you know how to politically answer a question, if it is anyway. 
So my question is, um, do you feel like college athletes should get paid? Um, and if it, and if college athletes do get paid, um, what does that even look like? Because we got D1, D2. I mean, is that something that you guys ever talk about? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I believe that college athletes should not be restricted from making money. Right? Do I think that universities should pay them? No. Primarily because there's no way to determine who gets paid what, like what's the pay scale, right? And, and this is what I believe. I believe that collegiate athletics is collegiate athletics, right? Mm-hmm. Go to college because you want to have that experience. You want to get an education. If you're good enough to be a pro, you can be a pro and make a lot of money, Right. I think the NBA should allow these guys to go out of high school, Mm. right? Because if the NBA allows these guys to go out of high school or if these kids want to exercise their option to go to the G League, now you can go be a pro and make money. But I think you go to college for that experience. And then, you know, like a normal student in college, they can get a job while they're in college. Unfortunately, you know, student athletes, you, your, your time is dominated by your sport. Right. But if you're on full scholarship, you know, like at Villanova, like, yo, we stay in a Ritz-Carlton on the road. We fly on private planes. These guys get meals and meal money, right? right. right. So it's like, like, I don't, you know, you, you get unlimited Nike gear. Like, in college, what else do you want? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but you, Ash, Ash, hold, hold on, Ash. So listen. Yeah. You know, we know, uh, you know, um, all my homies growing up and your young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, when I used to go to UVA and, and watch Sean play, or if I'm on the, if I'm watching TV and I see Staff play, or or it could even be Kyle, whatever, Marty, whatever. Mm-hmm. I used to go into down Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and Sean's jersey used to be all in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I mean. When you get to that point where players are getting exploit exploited, it feels like you know mm-hmm. how does how does that work? You know, what is your thoughts about that? Like the exploitation exploitation of them. So what what I think is that I don't think they should get paid, right? Because at the end of the day, like if you go to Harrisburg High School, right, and, and Harrisburg is a small city but has a huge following and you're a star football player for Harrisburg high school. You can get, you can have that dude Harris, it's Harrisburg high school Jersey. People can wear it in high school. Right? So it's like, all right, should you get paid then? You know what I'm saying? So my thing is find a way, find a creative way. Maybe, you know, you know, have a, a trust fund or something like that where, you know, as an athlete, you know, that, that athlete gets a percentage of the money that they get and it's put in a trust. And then after you leave, you have access to the money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, me personally, I feel like, or, you know, like, and, and, and this is the other thing. If, why doesn't Sean have the ability 
to start his own business where he's selling his own jerseys and t-shirts and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Is that, is that against the NCAA though? But but that's my that's my thing. Like okay. I, I I think that they should be able to do that. Gotcha. Where you're where you're you know you you teach him how to start his own business. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to you know um, you know expect the school to pay him. I think that the athletes should be able to just make their own money, right? On their own, you know, because if if Sean said, listen, I'm starting like, you know, social media is way more prominent now than it was back then. So Sean could easily say like, yo, on my Instagram page, I'm selling, um, you know, my t-shirts or my, my own jerseys. And now he has a way to learn, you know, the, the um, you know, learn entrepreneurship, right? Um, I think that is what they should allow these these guys to do as opposed to just say oh, yo the, the the school should pay them the the, the 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 bad part about it to me is the ncaa tells these guys they can't work <laughs> you know what i'm saying you can't tell somebody you can't work right, right? right. you can't tell somebody you can't you can't earn your, your own money right so um you know that's my that's my position i i believe that if the nba allows these guys to go out of high school then the NCAA and the NBA agree that if you go to college, you're committing to going to college for three years, right? You can't leave. Three-year commitment. It'll help college basketball. It'll help the NBA. But most importantly, it'll help college basketball because they got like, and, and we all know Sean. Sean was a student, right? Like, you know, like, you know Miss Jackie made sure that that he prioritizes academics, right? Right. So, so now, you know, you don't get the kids that really have no interest in being in college. They're just, they're just, you know, they're just in school because you know they have to be there, right? Because the NBA is telling them you have to go to college, right? I think the NBA should allow these guys to go to college uh, to go to the pros. And then the kids that want to go to the pros, they go pro. They make money. And then the kids that want to be in college, go to college knowing that I'm going to be here for three years. And now I can, you know, during that three-year period, I can execute my options of entrepreneurship, make money any way I can. But just understand now, as a student athlete, that's going to be something else that's taking you away from academics and athletics. But you have that option. That makes sense? Makes sense. So, Coach Ash, and the last question. It sounds like you're a proponent uh, for um, athletes choosing to go to the G League overseas and uh, other options they have, uh, such as NBA's Give It Up. So, how would this affect your recruiting and the level of college basketball play? Um, I think that I think that college basketball is only college basketball. I think the levels will set. Um, you may not have the, you know, marquee players like the Zion Williamson's in college basketball. I personally think that those type of players like the Zions and the Kevin Durant's and the Carmelo Anthony's, like those guys come, they, they come around, you know, once every, every, you know, six, seven years. Right. Um, you know, for the most part on average, you know, I think it'll hurt Kentucky and Duke. <laughs> 
because now, you know, Coach K and, and, and John Calipari, you know, they, they're not coaching NBA players and everybody else is college guys, right? Like those guys get the players that everybody know are going to be lottery picks. And, and they go to those schools because they're the schools that have been factories for, you know, one and done, right? So, so now you, you get uh, the opportunity to, um, you know, it's an even playing field. Now everybody has to develop. Everybody has to, you know, you know, strategically recruit and identify the guys that they feel as though fit their program. And, you know, I think it'll make college basketball a little bit more even, to be honest. And just to wrap um, this amazing interview up, you mentioned earlier that one of the things you have been doing is having conversations with your players about the current climate um, involving like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and social issues and things of that nature. Um, in your opinion, do you think the NBA should return um, during this current climate of protests? I think it, I think it goes two ways. I think that the NBA is looking at it from this standpoint. With all this social um, unrest going on in our country, sports is the one thing that brings people together. And if you have an opportunity to, to bring the NBA back and, and, and just create that, um, uh, that, that, that sense of pride in everybody, you know, being able to watch basketball on TV and have those dialogues and being able to root for your teams, again, I think it could bring people together. Uh, but on the opposite side, I think right now, without there being any sports, you have the platform to really push the issue of um, you know systematic racism, um, um, Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, I, I think you know that keeps all of these these things at the forefront. Um, so I, I see both ways. Like I can make an argument both ways. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's smart to um, put the athletes at risk for COVID-19. Because I still think that, you know, this has not gone away. I think that, you know, like you saw in, in, in Florida, it was like a, 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 a really high um, spike just yesterday in, in COVID-19. Um, but I can make an argument both ways in terms of the NBA's impact on um, what's going on in the world today. Um, um, you know, I, I actually like the fact that right now, because there's nothing else going on, you know, we, we have an opportunity here to, to, to have our voices heard. Um, but I also think that, you know, you know, we have some, some athletes in the NBA that, you know, that, that, that have moral compass, that have voices of their own. And if you bring the NBA back, you get an opportunity to, to have those guys speak out on, on certain issues as well. So, you know, I could, I could really go either way with it. Um, you know, I think the most important thing here is for, is for um, you know, what, whatever opportunity we have to really influence change, I think that, you know, we have to continue to, to, to move the needle 
and not just allow it to stop when sports get back, right? I think it's easy to say that, okay, once sports get back, it's a diversion. No, it's only a diversion if we allow it to be a diversion, right? Like our voices are being heard. I, I do believe that guys like LeBron James, um, who's the face of the NBA, who's in, in a lot of ways the face of sports today, uh, will not be silent. I think he'll speak his mind. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's powerful to have a person in the position of a LeBron who won't just shut up and dribble, who will, who will, who will speak on, on social matters and, um, and, and use his voice and his platform for the, 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 the overall good of, of our race. Coach Ash, we appreciate you coming on the show. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was really cool. I enjoyed it. So thank you for joining us on this episode of A Lady is Some Dude podcast. We thank everyone. Please show your support. Merch is soon be coming out. And thank you. Have a good day and God bless. Thank you.